This podcast was produced by Big Night Media, a proud partner of Big Night Entertainment. Hey, you know what? It's really fun to be here. Y'all know that theme music. What's up, what's up, what's up? How we doing, how we doing? And welcome to episode 213, episode 213 of the Banner Banter Podcast. I'm your host and favorite Boston Celtics season ticket holder, Timmy G. How's everyone doing? Hope you had a super duper weekend. You can find me on the Twitter machine at Banner Banter 18 or on Facebook and Instagram at Banner Banter Podcast. And as you know, part of the Big Night Media team is a great podcast like the Wicked Fast Podcast. That's my NASCAR podcast with the legendary Brian Bell. And of course, you can always check out Vacations, be fit, a chance to strive, no limits with Kevin Cooney, 30 flirty and surviving. I'm the promoter, he's the DJ, music you're missing, eat the damn cake, drinks after work, and so many other great podcasts. And if you're into sports cards or Pokemon cards, you can always check out Card Vault Breaks. Uh, really doing breaks every single day, morning, afternoon, night. Instagram, Facebook, whatnot, YouTube. You can always go check them out as well down at Patriot Place or down at Foxwoods Resort Casino. They're also hosting the Fenway Card Show on May 20th and 21st down at Fenway Park. More information at FenwayCardShow.com. And you can always check out Timmy Ticket Tuesday. That's right, Timmy Ticket Tuesday. Every single Tuesday, your chance to win free tickets to upcoming shows at Big Night Live through the Big Night Media Instagram page at Big Night Media. And you can always get your Banner Banter Podcast merchandise at BigNightShop.com to support the podcast because that's very important. And if you haven't supported the podcast yet, go rate it. Go leave five stars if you like. That'd be great. Or a comment or subscribe. That's very important to podcasts so they can grow. Okay, great. <laughs> Thanks so much. All right. Here we go. Current state of the Boston Celtics. This is the last week of the regular season for the Boston Celtics, and then it is playoff time. The NBA playoffs start on April 15th. The play-in tournament starts on April 11th and ends on April 14th. This is also just a reminder to you that after this episode, okay, we will be doing a new podcast the morning after every single Celtics playoff game, just like I always have over the last two seasons. It's exhausting, but, you know, the people need it. The people want it, and that's what we're going to give. So just a reminder, subscribe now. That way you don't miss one every single time I post it, whether it's uh, Spotify, Apple Podcast, whatever you listen to. You'll get notified that the Banner Banter Podcast has posted a new podcast to get my thoughts right after the game. And sometimes, you know, there have been some times where I've had a couple drinks at the game and just literally come straight home and do it. So they are entertaining, to say the least. Okay, here we go. Enough about that crap. The Boston Celtics are currently 54-24, and 24, two games back of the Milwaukee Bucks for the number one seed and three games up on the Philadelphia 76ers with four games to play. Last week, the Celtics lost, unfortunately, in a really shitty way to the uh, 
Washington Wizards 130 to 111, I believe. Then they beat the Bucks by 41, 140 to 99, because that's the most Boston Celtics thing in the world. Lose to a shitty team, destroy a really good team. It makes zero sense. And then they came back home and beat the Utah Jazz 122 to 114. Now, this week, the Celtics play the Philadelphia 76ers tomorrow night, if you're listening on Monday, or tonight, if you're listening on Tuesday, or if you're listening on Wednesday, <laughs> you're a little late. But they do play the Philadelphia 76ers Tuesday night, 8 p.m. on TNT, which will be the last road game of the season, and then they finish off the regular season with three straight home games. The first is the second night of a back-to-back on Wednesday, April 5th, versus the Raptors, and then Friday night... uh April 7th against the Raptors again, and then they end the regular season on Easter Sunday, April 9th at 1 p.m. Now, of course, Rob and Al will most likely not play in that April 5th game against the Raptors since it is a second night of a back-to-back, and I wouldn't be surprised if on Easter Sunday, if they've already locked up the two seed and the one seed's kind of out of their way, um, I believe Rob and Al and Jason and Jalen and Marcus and Malcolm and Derek will not be playing in those games, which would really give them almost like a full week off. And of course, you know, you could debate, do we really want to give them a full week off? Because it is a little concerning because this season, the Celtics are nine and seven when they have two days off or more, which is basically kind of what the first round of the NBA playoffs is because it is so dragged out. Like the NHL playoffs are every other day, boom, boom, boom. But the NBA playoffs, like, why don't you play a game? go on vacation, come back, play the second game, go on like a little mini vacation, come back, play the third game, then go back on another vacation. So it is a little annoying. Now, with that being said, the Celtics have beat teams like the Philadelphia 76ers, the Miami Heat, the Sacramento Kings, the Brooklyn Nets, the Warriors, and the Hawks when they have two game, two days, two day, dip, 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 two plus days off or more. Wow, that was a mouthful. Mondays are hard. Um, but they've also lost to the Cavs twice, the Warriors, the Nuggets, and even the Orlando Magic with two-plus days off. So very, very interesting. But we don't want to spiral down that road. So how do they get to the one seed? That's very obviously a very important question. I think it's impossible. You know, like Kevin Garnett, anything is possible. But, I, I mean, this is pretty impossible. I mean, the Bucks have the Wizards, Bulls, Grizzlies, and Raptors left. So the Wizards are clearly out of the mix. Bulls and Raptors are fighting for that 8-9-10 spot for the play-in. With the rap- and then um, you have the Grizzlies. They could be resting guys depending on their situation. They could be locking up a two-seed soon out in the Western Conference. Do they want to get Joss some more looks since he missed so much time? So in my opinion, it's very unlikely. They obviously beat the Wizards unless the Wizards decide to play the way that they played against the Celtics because that'd be great. Um I think they beat the Bulls. They've destroyed the Bulls all year. And then, you know, the the Raptors could give them a fight at the end of the season. But again, who knows? It's it's all very unlikely. And listen, of course you want the number one seed. I mean, who wouldn't? I mean, the, the other night the Celtics proved that they can win on the road in Milwaukee in a very important game. Yeah, it was the second night of a back-to-back, which really isn't ideal. But if you think about it, the Celtics, including that overtime game when uh, Tatum and Marcus didn't play that game, they took the Bucks to overtime on the road. Like, it was absolutely insane. But then you got to think back to the playoffs last year, and you're like, oh, the Bucks also won two games at TD Garden in that same series where the Celtics went on the road and won two 
road playoff games, especially that game six game, which was really the make or break game of that series when Tatum went off. They won game six, came back home, won game seven, went to the Eastern Conference Finals, and the rest is history. So we have to be somewhat level-headed about that. Like, we don't care that we don't get the number one seed. Well, the Bucks have come in here as well and also have won basketball games. So we have to be strict but fair here. But as far as the number two seed goes, I mean, you own the tiebreakers again, uh, the tiebreaker against Philadelphia 76ers. So even if the Celtics lose to the 76ers on Tuesday and at least win one more game, the two seed is theirs. It's a three game difference. You own the tiebreaker. So you're all good there. Now, the 76ers have the Celtics, the Heat, the Hawks, and the Nets in their final week. The Heat are fighting for something. The Hawks are fighting for something. And the Nets, maybe that last game of the season, will not be fighting for something because they'll lock up the sixth seed and will not have to be play, be a part of the play-in. But now you're trying to think ahead. If the Celtics do get the two seed, who they might be playing? Obviously, the sixth seed right now is owned by the Brooklyn Nets. They are two games up on the Miami Heat for the sixth seed. The Nets have the Timberwolves, Pistons, Magic, and 76ers. The Nets own the tiebreaker over the Heat. So basically, the 76ers... I mean, uh, I'm sorry, the Brooklyn Nets have locked in that sixth seed unless something crazy happens. The Miami Heat, they're two games up on the Atlanta Hawks for the seventh seed, a.k.a. home court in the play-in. Heat have the Pistons, 76ers, Wizards, and Magic, and the Heat also own the tiebreaker over the Hawks. So again, unless something crazy happens, it looks like it could be Heat-Celtics in the first round, which is a little startling, but confident, but a little startling. And, but, you know, crazier things have happened. The Hawks and the Raptors, they're tied for the eighth seed, but Hawks own the tiebreaker over the Raptors. The Hawks are playing the Bulls, Wizards, 76ers, and Celtics, a very tough schedule. The Raptors have the Hornets, the Celtics twice, and the Bucks, arguably even a tougher schedule. And then you have the Bulls in the 10 spot that are actually one game behind the Hawks and the, why am I having a brain fart? Oh, my God, the Hawks and the Raptors, and they're actually playing the Hawks the Bucks, the Mavs, and the Pistons. So obviously that Hawks-Bulls matchup this week could be very important, but the Bulls te- definitely do have the easier schedule. The Mavs are spiraling like no other. The Pistons will be the last game of the season, and they're obviously not going to care. They have one of the worst records in the NBA. Will the ha- will the Bucks be resting people? Who knows? Excuse me, that was my weekly burp on the Banner Branch podcast, but... The Raptors and the Bulls here, this is where it gets interesting. They have beat the Heat three times this year. So if one of those teams sneak up to the eighth seed and the Heat lock up that seventh seed in the play-in, this is kind of like how it works. The seventh and the eighth seed, they play one game with the seventh seed getting home court, and whoever wins that game is the seventh seed. And then the eighth seed, a.k.a. the loser of that 7-8 game, will play the winner of the 9-10 matchup. So... If the Bulls or the Raptors can sneak up to that eighth spot, they're obviously playing very good basketball against Miami Heat this year. They've won, you know, winning the season series against them. Um, that could be wildly interesting if the Raptors or the Bulls go down there, and then next thing you know, you're playing the Raptors or the Bulls in the first round of the playoffs, which obviously boosts the confidence a little bit more because, sure, the Bulls are good. Celtics struggle with them from time to time, but you're definitely much better than the Raptors and the Bulls. And listen, you're definitely much better than the Heat as well. But overall, you'd definitely be a 1,000% more confident against the Raptors and the Bulls than you would be the Miami Heat. But every projection out there, no matter what website you go on, it's going to be Celtics Heat. Obviously not ideal. Veteran team, great coaching staff. They're very good defensively. You split the season series with them this year. But we'll try not to worry about that until we have to. But what can the Boston Celtics do over these final four games to help them get into the 
you know, help them get into a good rhythm going into the playoffs. Now, I'm not going to do stud and dud this week because it's obviously Jason Tatum as the stud. And then for the dud of the week, it's whoever played in that Wizards game on Tuesday. But I'm trying to stay positive before the playoffs start because that's when I really spiral into a world of negativity that my that my therapist doesn't even want to know about and or can't figure out. But of course, the number one thing we want to focus on is health for Rob, for Malcolm, for Al, for Jalen and Jason, Marcus, Derek White. The list goes on and on. Over the last 10 games, the Celtics are 7-3, which is tied for the second best record in the NBA. They, In these last 10 games, they have the best offensive rating and the second best defensive rating. Now, I understand that the Bucks game, you'd be like, oh, 41-point game. The Bucks really didn't care at the end. What about um, the, the Kings game? And all, all these games where they kind of blew teams out, yeah, they they kept their foot on the pedal. So if you ask me, that's great. They're top 10 in three-point shooting, which, of course, is going to make or break their playoff run. We all know what Joe Missoula ball is. It's jack as many threes as possible, especially if they're good shots, and that's what matters. And they are legit going to live and die by the three. So let's just... Let's just all practice this together, okay? The Celtics are going to live and die by the three. So let's all accept the fact that there are going to be some games where the Celtics jack up 53-pointers, and we're all going to be like, what in the fucking fuck are you doing? Like, it's so annoying sometimes, but it's not weird if it works, right? So how much do the Celtics live and die by the three? I mean, it's, it's very obvious. The Celtics have shot over 40% from three this year in 31 games, and they are 30 and one. 30 wins and one loss when the Celtics shoot over 40% from three this season. If they shoot 37% or better from three, they are 35 and five. If they shoot less than 35% from three, they are 17 and 19. So yeah, they live and die by the three. 35% or less, so, you know, 33%, 32%, 17 and 19. But if they shoot 35, 36, 37, f- over 40%, it's ridiculous numbers. Over 40%, they're 30 and 1. They've only lost one game. And even if you're like 37% or better, still pretty fucking good too. 35 and 5. They have to continue to rebound the ball well as well. Currently, they're the third best rebounding team in the NBA in the last 10 games. And since the All-Star break, they're in the top 10 overall. Very impressive, right? But what I want to talk about really quickly is the turnovers. I think that is really going to be even more important than the three-point ball for the Boston Celtics. Because the last 10 games, the Celtics have been taking care of the ball with 12 turnovers per game. That's fifth best in the NBA. There's been 38 games this year. The Celtics have had 12 turnovers or less, and they're 32-6. and six. 40 games this year with 13 turnovers or more, they're 22-18. and 18. That's like a 500 basketball team. And when they have 16 turnovers or more, they're 5-9. and nine. You take care of the basketball. I don't even care if you shoot the three-point ball well. If you can take care of the basketball, I didn't spiral too much into the stats of, you know, how many games do they have 12 turnovers but then shoot 37% from three. I'm... I'm not a professional in that way. I'm just a season ticket holder that has a microphone in front of him. That's all I am. But, I mean, look at that. Sure. You shoot 37% from three or better, you're 35 and five. But when you have 12 turnovers or less, you're 32 and six. Imagine only having 12 turnovers in a playoff game. (laughs) Holy guacamole. 
And then when you look look at Jason Tatum over these last two games, he's been unreal, right? 40 points, 39 points. Maybe he's found his three-point shooting again, shooting 13 of 18 last week from three. I'm sorry, well, in the last two games against the Bucks and the Jazz. But zero turnovers. Jason Tatum has had zero turnovers in his last two games. To me, that's more important than him finding his three-point shot because if teams are going to trap him, double-team him, try and cause him havoc, and he doesn't turn the ball over, <laughs> good fucking luck, bud. Like, seriously. But, I mean, you look, since the Trailblazers game in Portland on that West Coast road trip, five turnovers, two turnovers, one, six, three, zero, zero. <laughs> that's what the fuck I'm talking about. Don't tempt me with a good time, Jason Tatum. That's what I need. Now, obviously, with Jalen Brown, we have to deal with you know, turnovers here and there. He's still always going to give you that three or four. He's going to dribble into traffic, but and I'm okay with that. I've, I've literally accepted that, but we have to be okay and hope and pray and wish or whatever you believe in that Jalen doesn't get frustrated over it because you know, the other day in a press conference, the first thing he looked at, he went, five turnovers? Ugh, that's shit. Like, he, he knows, but the question is, can he not get frustrated in a big game about that? That's very important. Now, when it comes to the CBA stuff, we'll talk about that in the offseason. Obviously, some big news that could really affect Jalen Brown staying here in a positive way, uh, making more money than he thought he probably could, and it could really change the dynamic of everything for the Boston Celtics in their future, but we'll talk about that when the season's over. But a huge reason why they beat the Bucks the other night, yes, their three-point shooting was lights out, eight Turnovers, eight. That's it. That's an average of two per quarter. That's an average of one per six minutes. That's insane. And that's like, I'm telling you, 32 and six with 12 turnovers or less. Six times the amount of wins than you have losses when you just have 12 turnovers or less. Fuck the three-point shooting. Give me reasonable three-point shooting, not above average, reasonable three-point shooting with above average taking care of the ball. Ugh, that's what I need. But this is another place where the Celtics can go deep in the playoffs, in my opinion. Yes, take care of the ball. Yes, shoot the three ball well. But when they play very well defensively and when the other team shoots 32% from three or less, they are 24-5. and five. So you contest every three-point shot. You rotate properly. You limit second-chance points, which could kick out to wide-open three-pointers, and they are brutal to beat. When the other team shoots over 40% from three, they're 7 and 11. So, you know, of course, keep playing Missoula ball. Whether we like it or not, it's clearly worked this season. At times, I mean, 30 and 1, 40% from three. That's insane. Limit your turnovers. Remember, 12 turnovers, 12 turnovers or less, 32 and 6. And you play the defense that everyone knows and loves you for? Huh could go a long way but before we end the podcast let's preview the final three opponents for the regular season for the boston celtics first and most important are the philadelphia 76ers since august of 2020 the celtics including the playoffs are nine and four versus the philadelphia 76ers including winning the last four games very impressive right but if you ask me i need i need it to be the last five games because if you're going to face them in the second round most likely because they're going to be playing the brooklyn nets and i don't know who on brooklyn's going to control joel Embiid. i mean i love nicholas claxton as a player but he is a stick figure compared to fucking joel Embiid. it's like night and day but if you're going to face them in the second round you want every advantage possible and if one of those factors is the 76ers have zero confidence playing 
you because like Joel and B has said in the past, this isn't a rivalry. If you can go in and be like, we own you, they're going to overthink every single thing that they do. So a mental edge to this is also very important. And even if you don't win on Tuesday, a lot can change in the playoffs. Or if you do win on Tuesday, a lot can change, especially since Embiid has been so dominant this year. But if the, Celtic, uh, if the 76ers do win this game, it could be a huge boost for them, especially with the way that they lost last time with Tatum hitting that three-pointer at the buzzer and Joel Embiid throwing that shot from three-quarters court and it going in. But that a win here by the Celtics, you just own the mental edge, which for a Doc Rivers playoff team ever since he left the Celtics is usually something that if you have that edge, you win. I mean, the 76ers versus the Celtics this year are averaging 108 points per game, 37 boards, 18 assists, 8 steals, 10 turnovers, and shooting 34% from three. Their points, rebounds, and assists are all below average, but their steals and three-point shooting are above average. So there are definitely some things that the 76ers see in the Celtics defense that they really like and obviously eight steals per game which is more than what they usually get very impressive then then you look at the seven the Celtics versus the 76ers this year 114 points per game 41 boards 23 assists five steals while shooting 35 percent from three points rebounds assists and three-point percentage are all below average for what the Celtics are doing this year. So the Celtics are playing below average basketball, for the most part, against the 76ers and still beating them. Think about that for a second. (laughs) That's insane. The 76ers cannot rebound. They are a bottom five team rebounding this year. At 40 per game, the Celtics are at 45. Joel Embiid, let's say, gets 10 of those, maybe 12 of those a game. That means if they're playing nine guys, the other eight guys are only getting a combined 30 rebounds per game, which is less than four rebounds each. They're also a bottom four team offensively. So if you rebound the basketball against this team and you play at a fast pace because the 76ers play at such a slow pace, they I think their pace is at 96 Point six or something like that, maybe 95.5, they play very slowly, which is probably why their rebounds are down. You push the pace against this team now. Obviously, with Tyrese Maxey on the floor, now that he's starting again and not coming off the bench, he gets a rebound, and he just fucking goes. He doesn't care. He doesn't care about no offense. He doesn't care what Doc Rivers has to think. He gets a rebound, and he goes. He's very quick. But if you can rotate properly on their shooters, limit their rebounding, and you don't get frustrated over Joel Embiid getting a lot of calls, especially at home, and you continue to shoot the ball well like you have, you're going to be fine, and you're going to win another game against the Philadelphia 76ers. And then you look at the Raptors games this week, the 5th and the 7th, Wednesday and Friday, both at home, both at 7.30 at TD Garden. And these Raptors games might depend on what happened in the 76ers game because if the Celtics win the two seed, it's going to be from the Tuesday night win. If the Celtics win Tuesday night, the the least that they could finish is the two seed, which is great. And then it's going to be really up to the Celtics organization to figure out, do we want to go after the one seed? Do we want to rest our guys or do we really want that number one seed? Do we want that extra ticket income? Do we want all that beer sale? You know, do we want our season ticket holders to give us more fucking money than they already have this year? So that's what's going to be very interesting if the Celtics can win. But if not... That's where it gets a little a little spicy because the Celtics would have to at least split if they lose to the 76ers against this, Raptor, uh, against this Raptors team. Really, in a nutshell, the Celtics just have to go 2-2 two and two 
the rest of the way. They have to win two out of their four games. They have to be a 400, uh, 400, a 500 basketball team to get the two seed. That's it. So hopefully they learn from that Wizards loss and can be motivated enough to pull out at least one win against the Raptors. And listen, the Raptors are 7-3 and three in their last 10 games with wins over the Nuggets and the Heat, two very good teams. And a big reason for that is their defense. Since the All-Star break, they have a top-five defensive rating in the league. Very impressive. And this team is completely different than the team that the Celtics saw and beat in January. I mean, yes, they are dealing with injuries right now with Otto Porter Jr., OG Anobi, Will Barton, and Gary Trent Jr., I mean, Will Barton, great pickup for them. Gary Trent Jr., very good player. Otto Porter Jr., whatever. And obviously, OG Ananobi is one of their better players. Pascal Siakam is finally coming back to himself. You know, obviously, the bubble really fucked him up, but he's playing great basketball again. I don't know if he'll get All-NBA, but a hell of a season for Pascal Siakam. Scotty Barnes, clearly, in my opinion, their best player on both ends of the floor. Offensively, defensively, he can do it all. Fred Van Fleet. Um, I I always say Van Fleet, like it's a what's that band? Grit Greta Van Fleet. Anyways, it's Van Vliet, and I always pronounce it wrong. And I'm sorry, but he could still go lights out on you. Obviously, former All Star point guard, NBA champion. He knows what it takes. And then you have Jacob Pertle, who was a huge pickup for them. You know, the Celtics were rumored in picking up him from the Spurs and stuff. But since he's been with the Toronto Raptors, he's averaging 14 and 10. Wildly impressive. And that could be a matchup problem on April 5th since that's the second night of a back-to-back without Al and Rob. Most likely on the, you know, they're probably not going to play just like they didn't play in the Jazz game last Friday. You're asking Blake Griffin to try and hold down Siakam and Pirtle and uh, Scotty Barnes and uh, what's that guy's name? Precious Akua, Chris Buescher, all those guys off the bench for the Toronto Raptors. Yeah, right? Is Precious Akua still playing for the Raptors? I think he is. It doesn't matter. You just have to rebound the fucking basketball against the Raptors. But again, the Celtics just have to at least win one of these games against the Raptors. And then Easter Sunday, as far as the Hawks game goes, I really don't know how to preview that game because at this point, the Celtics have won four straight games against them, including, you know, games last year. And... If the Celtics have locked up the two seed, you're probably going to see Peyton Pritchard, Sam Hauser, number 12, Blake Griffin, and Luke Cornett as your starting lineup, to be honest with you. And at that point, all the research goes out the window because who the, who the hell knows what's going to happen? But the Hawks are still playing for something. So this 76ers game, if the Celtics win this 76ers game, they have the two seed, at least. And then it's going to be up to the organization. Do you want to give Al Horford 10 days off? Sounds kind of sexy. Do you want to give Rob Williams 10 days off? Yep. Next question. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, eh, maybe they can play like every other game. But who knows? It'll be really interesting to see how the Celtics handle this situation. But either way, final four games of the regular season and then the playoffs start. So Monday, next Monday, August, uh, August. Imagine if it was August. (laughs) Um, April 10th, we will do a full preview of whatever the playoffs are going to be, whether it's the Hawks, the Nets, the Heat, the uh, the Raptors, the Bulls, a full preview. And then once the playoffs start, you will get a new episode of the Banner Banter podcast the morning after every single game. And if I sound exhausted in all of them, it's because I am. Yep. But that is it. 
for episode 213 of the Banner Banter Podcast. You can follow me on the Twitter machine at Banner Banter 18 or on Facebook and Instagram at Banner Banter Podcast. Thank you so much for listening as always. Stay tuned for some great news uh, next Monday as well. I think we're uh, bringing back the Celtics watch parties at Studio B at Big Night Live. So stay tuned for more information on that and especially on all of my social media pages as well. We'll definitely be doing some crazy announcements for uh, a crazy announcements for that. But yeah, uh, that's it. Appreciate you all. Hope you have a great day. We'll talk soon. Toodles and noodles. X's and O's. Bye-bye. Sorry, but I'm gone. I'm history. And I dedicated my life to the Boston Celtics. I dedicated my life to the fans of Boston. I did my very best to please each and every one of you. Good night.